You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Yeah, so I saw that video and I said, this is really, really good. I, I really liked it. And to help save my voice, I was supposed to share about <laughs> uh, Black History Month. And sorry, I could take this off. To, to save my voice, I was like, well, let me not figure out something to say. Let me just show the video, <laughs> make it easy for me. But, um, but uh, I hope everyone's doing well. I just thought that was really good, and especially at the end where he, where he talks about, you know, Christ redeems. You know, he redeems. He, he redeems us out of the hand of the devil. Amen? Amen. 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 So let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you. We just give you praise and honor. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you do redeem, Lord God. And I just, um, just want to give this day over to you. Give this time over to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man. Well, I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I have my tea with me today, my glorious tea that I love so much. And um, hopefully it will help uh, throughout this time. But um, so we're, we're reading through the book of Kings. We're in 2 Kings. We're coming to the end uh, of, our, of our reading of Kings, of the books, book of Kings. And um, I want to talk about, this morning, about Josiah. I know I, I skipped a little bit ahead. Today is supposed to be about you know, Hezekiah and things like that. We're supposed to be on 20 today, but we're going to skip a little bit ahead to 22. All right? So why don't you turn with me to, to uh, 2 Kings 22, and uh, we're going to read together. Amen? It's a little bit long, but where are you going, right? <laughs> we're here. So Josiah was eight years old when he, when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was uh, Jediah, Jediah, okay, daughter of Adiah, and she was, uh, she was from Bozkath. Uh, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, Shaphan, son of Azilah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready, get, get ready the money that has been brought to the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who, to, who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, the masons. Also have them purchase timber and, and, and dress stone to, to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest uh, in their dealings. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him. Your officials have, have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted to it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan uh, read from it the present, uh, in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikim, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Asiah, the king's attendant. Go, to, go, inqu go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and all of Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against the burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written here concerning us. Hilkiah the priest, 
Ahikam, uh, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to speak with the prophet Holda, who was the wife of the pro yeah the prophet Holda, who was the wife of uh, Shalom, son of Tikva, the son of ha Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. She said to them, "This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says." I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people, according to everything written in the book of the, uh, the book the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to, to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against uh, this place and, it, and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has con says concerning the words uh, you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what, was, uh, what, what has been spoken against this place and its people, that they would become uh, a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Amen. Drink. All right. So now, have you ever been in a situation in which, you know, your parent <laughs> told you to stop doing something? And, but you kept on doing it, right? You know, and then they told you again, in a, in a, in a, but their voice changed, and you didn't notice the change, you know, and, and wish you had noticed the change, right? You wish you noticed it. You know, it's good to know when it's time to change, amen? It's good to know. You know, it's good to know when your boss means it, when they say, you know, if you're late one more time, you're gone. It's good to know that. It's good to know when somebody means it, when, when he or she says that, you know, the next time you do such and such, you know, then now you know that, you know, it's something you've been doing for a long time and things like that. You know, they say the next time you do such and such, it's going to be, you know, the end or whatever it might be. You know, it's good to know when a person means business. You know, it's funny because we, in our, at our house, we, uh, we have a parking space, you know, behind our house and we park there. But I always back into the parking space. That's what I've been doing that for years. But in the wintertime, Maria says, my wife, she says, why don't you pull in front ways so that way when we start up the car and it's like, you know, it's cold out, we start up the car and it's, you know, the exhaust doesn't come into the house, right? That's, that sounds reasonable, right? <laughs> it sounds like a good thing. Time and time again, I always park backing in. It's just, it's just something, you know, that I do. And I've been doing it for so many, so many years that it's like hard to change. But it's good to know when it's time to change because it's, it's so much better when the exhaust isn't coming into our house and, you know, poisoning our family, right? That's, that's a good thing, right? You would think, you know, but, but you know, it's, it's good to know when it's time to change. It's, it's a good thing. You know, like every, every hurricane season, you know, there's someone who, who doesn't believe that the storm is going to be big enough to, to, to leave their home, you know, regardless of what anyone else is saying. You know, how many times people are saying, oh, it's time to evacuate. You have to evacuate. They say, no, 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 I've been here all this time. You've never had a problem. You know, I'm going to stay. And time and time again, every year during hurricane season, someone dies because they weren't willing to change. They weren't willing to, uh, to, to get to a safe spot. You know, and, you know, have you been in, in a situation in your own life where you didn't make a change that you should have? That you didn't change when you should have, and it cost you. Has it ever happened to you? You know, sometimes people, you know, may have even come up to you and said, you know, suggested a change, take a different direction, take a different route, take a different action. You know, let that person go or, or, or uh, move out of the house or, or, or go back to school or whatever it might be. You know, but for one, for one reason or another, you know, you didn't make the change. 
The only problem is, you know, you now know how you've missed out because you didn't make that change. You, didn't, you know, you could have made a difference in your life because you didn't, you know, when you didn't make that change. But it's good to know when it's time to change. It's really good to know. And sometimes you may have had an argument with someone. You have an argument with someone, you, you know, you're convinced that you're, the evidence is on your side. The only thing is, you know, your evidence is based on your point of view. It's based on your point of view. And what you think the other person's motive is or was in that situation. You know, if you're wrong about their true motive, your evidence is not so great, is it? You know, it's good to know when it's time to change your position, you know, in a disagreement with someone else. You know, it's amazing how, how if we ask God, you know, to truly, you know, allow us to see something from another person's, you know, perspective, you know, we discover we, uh, we may not have been as right as we thought we were. You know, not knowing, when to cha- not knowing when to change can cause a lot of pain and heartache, you know. And that's stuff that could be avoided. You know, the good news is that Jesus Christ can still help us to make changes, the changes that we need. Amen? To get us back in charge, of, get us back on the right track. That he, that he has for us. Um, well, sometimes when we need to make a change, we don't know it. You know, we can be, we can be deceived by all the good things that are, ha- that are going on in your life right now, in our lives. We think that it's going to last forever. You know, but in reality, the world around us is changing. Everything is changing all the time. Circumstances are changing. You know, and we, uh, we, and we ourselves, we're also changing. You know, change is inev- it's an, an inevitable part of life. It's, it's inevitable. You know, we have to make choices every day. And the choices that we make, you know, will, will affect us for a long time. So now let's look at this guy, Josiah, right? Josiah is the king of, uh, of uh, Judah. You know, Josiah's dad was anything but a good role model. He was not a good role model at all. You know, his father had completely rejected the ways of God. You know, Josiah's father became king at the age of 22, and he did everything to alienate God by worshiping idols and, 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 and offering sacrifices to them and doing everything that he could. You know, and his, and his father and Josiah's dad reigned as king for only two years. He only did it for two years because the government officials decided enough was enough. They said, enough is enough, you know, and they assassinated him in the palace, right? Now, this is like, like Shakespearean, like, play kind of stuff, right? And you're like, and uh, now the people rose up after they put uh, Josiah's dad to death and, they, you know, the, they killed him. And the people of, the, of Jerusalem, the other people, they rose up and they put to death all the officials who had assassinated the king and they made Josiah king in his father's place. So at age eight, Josiah became the second youngest king, you know, to rule over the nation of Judah. At age eight. You know, you might ask what, different, what difference can a, a, an eight-year-old, you know, <laughs> make in the life of a nation? You know, so let me, let, me, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on when, when he becomes king, when Josiah becomes king. You know, first of all, the nation was at peace, right? The nation was at peace and with his neighbors. And they were, they were doing pretty good. You know, the times were pretty good. The economy was good. You know, it was pretty all right. And, you know, and the people were, were relaxed in their relationship with God because there was no pressing emergency. There was nothing going on. You know, so everyone was Okay. You know, many of the people have walked away from God altogether. They walked away from him altogether. You know, last week, Dave uh, gave an excellent sermon on, on, on uh, idolatry and the high places that, that, Jerusalem, that, that uh, uh, Israel has set up all over the place. And he talked about idolatry and how we, are, we have idols as well and things, you know, all that. So it would be great to listen to that sermon if you haven't heard it. But, but throughout the country... You know, people were creating their own gods, 
right? They were offering sacrifices to them. You know, people were sacrificing their children to, to Moloch. You know, child sacrifices were going on. You know, anybody who wanted to become a priest can become, could become a priest. You know, in the rooms of the temple of God, you know, there were rooms set aside for, for, for horses that had been uh, dedicated to the sun, right? And the sun and the moon were worshipped, you know, uh, as though they were gods. Excuse me. You know, there were altars built to foreign gods in the, in, in the courtyard of the temple. There were uh, rooms set aside in the temple for, for male prostitution. You know, it was basically a spiritual and moral disaster. That's what was going on in, in, in Israel, in Judah at that time. You know, the people were doing anything they wanted to do in the name of religion and thought nothing of it. Did anything they wanted to do. You know, there's something inside of us that, that seeks to, to want to worship but not do it according to the word of, of, of God. So we worship other things. We worship athletes, and we worship singers and actors and, and entertainers and people of industry and, and phones and technology. Phones and technology. No, I'm kidding. I'm talking to myself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's what we, we worship all these different things. And was, Josiah inherited all of this at eight years old. He was an eight-year-old king, and he inherited all of this. It's a great way to start your reign, right? You know, all this stuff is going on. You know, your father's been murdered. You know, people think you're too young for the job. And uh, your nation is, is, is a moral disaster. And you don't have a clue what you're getting yourself into. No. He did not inherit the ideal situation. It wasn't the ideal situation. But what would you do when you don't know what to do? Well, we learned that, you know, in the eighth year of Josiah's reign, that means that when he was 16 years old, right? I mean, who knows about 16-year-olds, right? I do. <laughs> but yeah, but, you know, he was 16 years old. He began to seek the God of his father, David, when he was 16. The word seek means to, to worship frequently and, and to search out. You know, if you're, if you're going to seek the Lord concerning changing your life, it means you're, you're, you're going to worship God more often and put yourself wholeheartedly into it. Because the word of God means, the word also means to follow. You know, seeking God involves, you know, following in the footsteps of Christ. That's what it means. If you're not willing to, to follow God as Jesus did, you know, it, you know, it doesn't quite make sense to seek after him. Because we need to follow in that way. You know, but at eight, age 16, Josiah recognized that he needed a change in his own life. You know, the funny thing is, is that on the outside, you know, we, we pre, he pretty much had all that he could want at the age of 16. Right? Like, what curfew do you give to the king? You know, what, you know, what allowance do you give to him? Do you give him an allowance? No, you don't give him an allowance. What girl wouldn't want to go out on a date with him, right? He had everything. He could have left things the way they were. But Josiah knew, he knew that something was missing in his life. He wanted to know, and he wanted to know why. He knew that it was, a time, it was time for a change. He knew that it was time for a change. After, and so after four years of seeking the Lord, four years, you know, so by the time he was 20, he was ready to step into the role that God had for him. He was ready. So, you see, sometimes we spend 30 minutes, you know, seeking the Lord and think that God is telling us to start moving. Josiah spent four years, four years allowing the Lord to work in his life before he took a drastic action uh, for leading the nation. Four years, that's a long time. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you need, to, you need four years of, you know, seeking God. But what I'm saying is, you know, God's plan for your life may require a little more than, you know, a little more preparation, you know, before you jump, before you jump up and act, act on it, right? 
A lot of times it's easier to, to see what changes that, 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 that you see need to be made in, in other people and in, in other, in other things, other situations, than it is to see the changes that God first wants to make in our lives, in our, in our own lives, right? So at age 20, you know, Josiah began to make changes in his nation. He, he decided to make changes. He's like, okay, we're going to change some things up here. You know, he wanted to get rid, rid of all the false gods. He wanted to get rid of all of them, the demonic activity, you know, he, the corrupt priests, you know, and the, and the slaughter of children. So he got rid of all, he was getting rid of all that stuff. You know, he launched his campaign, and he did it, right? He destroyed a lot of the, the religious uh, places. He took about, it took him about six years, about six years uh, to get it done. And at age 26, he decided it was time to make things right close to home. It was time to make things right close to home. So how many of you know, you know, it was, it, this wasn't going to be easy, right? It's so, it's so much easier to, to change things on the outskirts, right? The stuff that's happening other places. But when you get close to their home, it makes it a little bit harder, right? It's a little bit more difficult, you know, because these are people he had to deal with on a regular basis. He had to deal with these people every day. So, so now he was going to have to deal with cleansing the temple. He wanted to go cleanse the temple and getting rid of the things that, that people considered sacred and holy, right? People considered this stuff sacred. People considered this stuff holy. And he was like, okay, I have to go get rid of this stuff that's in the temple, that's right here, you know, in Jerusalem, in our hometown. You know, I have to get rid of this stuff. I have to make clean house, right? And so, and I'm sure people felt like the reforms that, you know, had gone too far already, right? They thought, hey, you know what, you've gone too far, Josiah, already. You know, we can just leave this little other stuff here. We can just, you know, keep things the way they are here. You know, but Josiah moved ahead anyway because he was committed to doing what his best, to do, he, he was committed to doing his best for God's will, right? So he evicted the male prostitutes. You know, he burned the chariots dedicated to the, to the sun god. You know, he got rid of the astrologers. He made up his mind that he was going to restore the temple back to what God had really originally intended uh, for it to be. You know, a place of worship, a place of, of where God's name would be identified, where God would live. You know, he wanted the people to, to, to make sacrifices for the Lord. You know, he told the people, it's time for a change, right? He's like, look, we're going to rebuild the Lord's temple. Those of you who want to contribute, you know, bring your money and leave it at the, leave it at, uh, at the temple or give it to the Levites who are going out throughout the land. That's what he said. Well, they collected the money. They collected all the money, and the work of the temple began. You know, and a funny thing happened, though, when they were rebuilding and reconstructing the temple. A fellow named Hilkiah, right, the, the priest, found the book of the law. He found the book of the law. In other words, he found God's word, you know, in the temple, and it shocked him, right? That's like going to church every day, living in the church, and not finding a Bible, Right? And not there not being a Bible there. And he finds a Bible, he finds the word of God, he finds a book of the law, and he's shocked that he finds it there. You know, this, there's this huge temple, you know, and everything under the sun going on in it. And there was no copy of the word of God. There wasn't one there. No one, no one knew it was there. Now, Josiah's father and grandfather had so departed from God that they, you know, had gotten rid of God's word from the temple. Got rid of God's word from the temple. And so now we see, you see, we see um, why Josiah had to diligently seek the Lord. We now know why. He was like, he was seeking the Lord for four years, right? You know, we, we now know why. They, they didn't have any copies of God's word. He didn't know. And so the book, of, the book Hilkiah found was huge. That was like a huge discovery, a huge discovery. And the law could, you know, the law would tell them exactly where they stood with God. So Hilkiah gave the book to, of the law to Shaphan, right, and told him to take it to the king. And Shaphan took it to the king. And after uh, reading, you know, the, the law for just a few pages, the king recognized immediately that it was time 
for him to change. It was time for the nation of Israel, for the, the, the nation of Judah to change, right? Here's how, you know, this is how we know whether or not, you know, we've been seeking the Lord, right? If, we tru- if we're truly seeking God, when a portion of God's word confronts our behavior, we subject our behavior to the word of God and bring about change immediately. That's what we do. That's what we should do. We never have to seek God's direction for, ch- for a choice about sin. Never have to seek God's uh, direction. We always get into trouble when we, when we desire to change God's word to make it acceptable for our behavior and our actions. Always get into trouble. Many try to change the word of God, you know, so that their, their, their sin is no longer sin. They say that, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about, uh, say that abortion is bad, right? But when the Bible speaks about the, the womb, the life in the womb, it speaks against abortion. You know, they say that, you know, people say that, you know, Jesus didn't say anything about homosexuality, right? But when Jesus talks about marriage, he speaks against homosexuality. We need to submit our behavior to God's word. There's no other way around it. There isn't. So when Josiah got his hands on the real copy of the word of God, he was excited. He was so excited. And he told Shaphan, start reading and let's hear what God has to say. Let's hear it. Let's hear what it has to say. This is something new for him. Never heard it before. Right? And the, and the more Shaphan read you know, the more uneasy Josiah became, became more and more uneasy. He realized that they were living under false sense, a false sense of security. You know, as a nation, they were living under a false uh, sense of security. Just because everything was, was looking good, you know, didn't mean that it was good. When he heard the word proclaimed and saw that they were living in defiance and disobedience to the will of God, Josiah immediately tore his robes. He immediately tore his robes. You know, the idea of, of, of tearing your, your robes was an indication that you were in great grief. You know, for instance, like, you know, if someone, uh, you found out someone you love was, had been murdered, you would, like, tear your robes to, uh, to, to, as an outward showing of that grief. You know, sometimes we may be comfortable and at ease in, in our lives as followers of Christ because we're not comparing our lives to uh, what the Word of God teaches, right? We, we compare it to the world instead of comparing it to what the Word of God teaches, right? We just accept sinful attitudes, sinful actions, and sinful behaviors as just, you know, that's just how I am. You know, this is how we are, right? And we forget that God didn't call us to, a halfway, to do a halfway work in us. He called us, he called, he's called to do a full work in us, not a halfway work, right? We fall into the mindset, as long as we have Jesus, you know, as long as I have Jesus, I got it made. I got it made. You know, Judas had Jesus, right? But he ended up betraying him. If we listen to the word, or we read the word as the way Josiah listened to it, you know, we recognize that it was, we recognize that it's time for a change. You know, Josiah was fearful of two things. You know, first he was fearful that his behavior and uh, of his people and his people's behavior, you know, had offended God. He was afraid of that. You know, do you, you know, do you even think, do we even think of our behavior as being offensive to God? You know? Do you know that God hates gossip outside of the church? In and outside of the church, right? He hates it. How do you feel like how do you feel when someone offends you, right, and then pretends that it like it never happened? I know people who hate that. I mean, I hate that. <laughs> right? How do you feel about that? God gets that a lot from us. He gets that a lot from us. We offend the Lord and then we pretend like it never happened. 
We should be striving, you know, in our love for God to be afraid of offending him. You know, some, many times we, we uh, settle for, you know, cheap religion that simply says, when we, in our prayers we say, like, you know, God, forgive me for any sins I might have committed. You know? Without allowing the Lord efficient time, sufficient time, to, uh, to show us the, the specific, you know, sins we have committed and need to be repentant of immediately. We do that all the time. You know, our prayers need to be, should be specific enough, you know, to say, God, show me where I was uh, wrong in my attitudes, you know, in my actions, and need to make a change immediately. You know, Josiah wanted God to be specific in, in showing him their sins. He wanted the Lord to show him his sin, their sins specific sins that they need to change from immediately. The other thing that Josiah was fearful of was the punishment that God would, would send their way for their disobedience, their deliberate disobedience, right? We, we speak so much of the love of God, we forget the justice of God. We forget about that. Josiah was afraid that God's judgment was going to be poured out just as God had promised he would do for their disobedience. He was afraid of that. We like to think that, you know, you know, just because we ask for forgiveness, you know, there won't be a penalty, you know, for our actions, you know. This goes in stark contrast of, of the Bible's teaching. You know, what we plant in the ground comes back to us. Maybe later, <laughs> when it, it takes time for it to grow, but it does grow. You know, in Hebrews 12, you know, it says that in Hebrews 12, 6, it says that, you know, because the Lord, the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he chastens everyone who he accepts as son. Now, before we take communion on the first Sunday every, every month, Right? We, we are to, to examine ourselves so that we don't drink, you know, judgment on ourselves. You know, in, in, in communion, we're, we're remembering that Je what Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. Do not take it lightly, you know, the sacrifice that Jesus made. You know, he's given himself, you know, given of himself on our behalf. When we do take it lightly, then we see what happens, right? In, in 1 Corinthians uh, 11, 25, 27 to 30, uh, it says, So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and, and the blood of, our Lord, of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine himself before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why so many of you are, are weak and sick and have a number of you have fallen asleep. You know, this verse alone is enough to, uh, to, to cause us to fear the Lord the same way that Josiah did. You know, is, there, is there true fear of God's judgment in your life? Is there? Do you choose to sin boldly before God in, in before God's presence? Never take never <sighs> never take the mercy of God for his acceptance, you know, and approval for disobedient behavior. You know, God does not, you know, settle accounts on, at the end of each day. You know, he loves us too much, right? He loves us too much not to give adequate adequate warnings uh, to change our behavior for us to change our behavior. King Josiah wanted the best prophet available to explain God's word to him. He told his cabinet officials, he says, you know, go inquire of the Lord for me because we are, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a lot of trouble for all the wrong our fathers have done and the disobedience of, of, uh, of God's word. 
You know, God's anger is poured out on us over the, over, will be poured out on us over this matter. Now, I want you to, uh, to, to notice that the men in the, king's, in the king's cabinet and priests knew, you know, if you wanted to, you know, get the word of the Lord, if you needed a word from the Lord, you were going to go to this woman named Hulda, you know, the wife of Shalom. She was a prophet. She was a prophetess. And, she, and they knew that she spoke to the Lord. And, and Hulda told the king, he says, she says, uh, God says, look, I'm, doing, I'm going to bring such a disaster on this place that, is, that it will be incredible. It's, the disaster is going to be incredible. The people got rid of me as their God, and they lived in defiance of my word. But because, I, because what I told them would happen was going to happen. But because you humbled yourself and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I will not do it in your lifetime. That was the word of the Lord. I want to recognize that we have the ability to hold off disaster for others by choosing to live right before the Lord. This is, this is one of the reasons why it's good to know when it's time to change. It's good to know when to change. The only thing that, you know, that, that kept the enemies afar you know, from pouring into Jerusalem was, righteous, was righteousness of King Je- Josiah. You know, you need to be faithful to God because you do not know when or, or, or how many other people you're holding up. You don't know how many people you're holding up and make it, making it possible for them to be saved. You know, Josiah did not, you know, simply sit back and, you know, and rest when God told him, you're straight, right? He was like, God's like, you're good. You know, you're, you're going to be fine. You're not going to, you know, but I'm not going to destroy the nation in your lifetime. Josiah didn't sit back, you know. He didn't, he didn't say, okay, I don't have to worry, so everything's good. I'm, I'm fine now. No, he didn't do that. He said, I now pledge to follow the Lord and keep his commands, his regulations, decrees with all my heart and soul and obey the word of the covenant, you know, written in this book. That's what Josiah said. After he did it, he asked the people to do the same. And there was revival in the land. There was true revival in the land. They got rid of every idol and detestable thing in their nation in order, in order to save the Lord. That's what they did. They got rid of the media, all the mediums. They got rid of the fortune tellers and, and the household gods and the, and the, 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 that they were holding on to. As long as Josiah lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord. They didn't fail to follow the Lord. Thank God that, you know, even when things were going well, Josiah recognized that it was time to change. It was time for the nation to change. Otherwise, it would not have gotten uh, to, to the point of genuine repentance. Like, have you genuinely repented? Of, the action, of your actions and attitudes? You know, have you made up your mind not to compromise any longer? Josiah had, you know, religious, religious stuff all of his life, all around him, all of his life. But it wasn't until the word of God confronted him, confronted him, it confronted his life head on, you know, that, they tru- that he truly uh, entered into a deep relationship with the Lord. You know, he realized he realized that there was some, there were some things that he had still been holding on to, you know, that he needed to let go. There are things that we need to let go of, right? He saw that there was time for him to make a change. He was the last good king, you know, in the land of Judah before it was destroyed. He was the last good king. The scripture had, had this to say about him in, in 2 Kings you know, 23, 25, he says, neither before or after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength in accordance to what the law, uh, in accordance with all the law of Moses. No other king. We need to make up our minds to be like Josiah. We need to change. We need revival. You know, we talk about it all the time. 
We talk about revival all the time, but, we're, but are we willing to do what it takes? Are we willing to tear our robes, to repent, to change from our ways and follow the ways of the Lord, the way the Lord wants? You know, throughout history, you know, revival has been the, the means of, by which God sovereignly de, uh, uh, demonstrates his willingness to renew our hearts and cleanse his church. You know, um, there's some examples I was like looking up and it says, and on, you know, on New Year's Eve in 1739, you know, John Wesley, George Whitfield, and some other friends were held watch night, uh, watch night, uh, 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 held a watch night of prayer, right? About 3 a.m., Wesley wrote, the power of God came mightily upon us, insomuch that many cried for exceedingly, exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. In the spring of 1904, a young Welshman named Evan Roberts was repeatedly awakened from 1 to 5 a.m. Uh, by, by, and by November that year, a powerful spiritual awakening was spreading through Wales that became known as the Welsh Revival. That's where our, our church was birthed out of. And it really exploded, right? You know, through a single testimony of a young new believer named Flory Evans. You know, when her pastor asked for testimonies, she stood up, you know, with a trembling voice and said, I love Jesus with all my heart. And then God used this to melt the hearts of many others. You know, in, in his book, you know, William Seymour and his Zusa Street Revival, Revival, Gary McGee wrote, you know, to read newspapers in, in 1906, one might have wondered about all the excitement in an old building on Azusa Street in the industrial part of the city. According to the Los Angeles Times, a bizarre new religious sect had started with people breathing uh, strange utterances and mouthing a creed which it, it would seem no sane mortal <laughs> could understand, Right? Furthermore, devotees of the weird doctrine practice the most fanatical rites, preach the wildest theories, and work themselves into a state of mad excitement. You know, revival had broken out at Azusa Street Mission in California, and it affected the entire U.S. You know, 1995, revival broke out, you know, in a church in Pensacola, Florida, and more than 100,000 people were saved, you know. In Washington, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit fell over a whole church on Labor Day weekend in 1996. The first two weeks of revival, 30, 32, uh, drew 3,200 people. 3,200 people. During a Sunday evening service, people ran to the altars. Men, women, children fell everywhere under the power of God. But what is revival? Revival you know, a lot of people say, you know, revival is a visitation of God. You know, it brings, it brings life to Christians who have been sleeping. Oh, right? Revival is a, is a rush of the Spirit. Revival is a time of refreshing. Revival is when uh, dry and thirsty receive drench, a drenching from the Lord. But why does it come? Why does it come? In Second Corinthians 7.14, it's like, Super popular verse that people read and, and say all the time, but it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, I'm, I, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. The second reason is to, to awaken the church. Revival happens to awaken the church. You know, awaken the church because they walked away from God. Awaken because they, they, there's disunity. Awaken the church because, you know, they, they're in need of rebuilding, of refreshing, of renewal. And it's biblical, right? It's biblical. There's so many different uh, times in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, where, you know, you see revival. You see revival in God's people. Time and time again, God is reviving. You know, in, in, uh, in Habakkuk 3.2, he says, Lord, he's pr Habakkuk is praying. And he's like, Lord, I've heard of your fame. 
And I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. They had experienced God's presence and wanted it again. They wanted it again. They had a heart for revival. You know, we need revival because we need to be clean, refreshed, renewed. We need revival in Philadelphia because the church needs to be prepared. We need to be prepared. We need revival in, 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 in living word because God's, God wants to wake us up. He wants to wake us up. We can have revival. If we have a heart for revival. We need a heart for revival. When the king heard the words of the, of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Josiah tore his robes. He's like saying, my God, forgive me. Forgive me. And when the king saw the truth and the seeds of planted for revival to break forth, Seeds were planted for revival to, be, to break forth. He was, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, you know, he's ready to change his heart forever. We need to be ready to change our hearts forever. You know, Josiah was ready to do whatever it took to please the Lord. He was ready. He wanted it. You know, he had a heart attack, basically. His heart was broken. His heart was broken so that, you know, the, so that God could do a work in him to bring revival to his people. And Josiah acted immediately, demonstrating that he had the kind of heart necessary for revival to come. He changed immediately. You know, he repented, renewing the covenant. You know, he sought righteousness by tearing down the altars and, and all the high places and uh, the, all the things that, that, you know, that weren't supposed to be around. He renewed relationship with God by reinstating the Passover. We can learn a lot. You know, we can learn a lot from his, from his, from his character. You know, Josiah had a committed heart. Right? It says neither before or after Josiah, there was a king like him who, who, who turned to the Lord as he did. There was another guy like him, another king like him. He had a holy heart. You know, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in, in all the ways of his father, David, not turning from aside to the right, from the right to the right or to the left. He kept straight. You know, he had a repentant heart. You know, when the king heard the words of the book of law, he tore his robes. He had a ten, and he had a tender heart. And it says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard and, and what I have spoken against this place and his people, he humbled himself. And because of that, it wasn't going to happen in his lifetime. He wanted the dry and thirsty to receive a drenching from the Lord. He wanted a visitation of God that brings life to everyone who had been sleeping. He wanted to see the restoration of the deep sense of God's presence and holiness. He wanted to please the Lord and avoid the judgment that was upon his nation. He wanted a new beginning. He wanted what God wanted for his people. And he got it. He got it. Because his heart was responsive to the word of God. Because his heart was responsive to the Holy Spirit. You know, How's your heart today? How's your heart? Do you desire revival? Are you thirsty? We talk a lot about it, but are we really? Do you want more than anything to please the Lord? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you in seek the Holy Spirit's guidance? Are we willing? Are we willing? Because your heart was responsive. 
when you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you, when you heard what I had spoken, because you tore your robes, because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you. Lord, with humble hearts, Lord God. Lord, needing you. Lord, we need you so badly. Lord, a lot of times we think, Lord, that because we're better than the other person, then, then we're good. But not according to your word, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would Lord, seek you, Lord. Take your word, Lord, as <laughs> and engage our, our actions, Lord, in our lives, Lord, against it and not against other people, not against the world, Lord God. Lord, because you are more important. Lord, I pray, Lord, you would, um, Lord, that we would be a people, Lord, willing to change, wanting to change, desiring to change, Lord. And fall into, to in, in line with what your word has for us. What your word says, Lord God. So easy to get caught up in the things of this world. To create idols, Lord, with our own hands. To seek things, Lord, that, that are not of you because it's easy or it looks appealing, Lord God. I just pray, Lord, that we would be people, Lord, willing to change, wanting to change, desiring to change, Lord, for you. Lord, bring revival, Lord, to this church, Lord, to this land, to this city, Lord God. Lord, we need you more than anything else, more than anyone else, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.